0: into the net by Kylian Mbappé Oh Benyera, beautifully done Cornet finds Dembele The first touch is good, the second is deadly Neymar still Oh my word, what a goal Got lovely finish Oh yes, delivery, Gendouzi's header And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta, outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta He's playing again And goal back, Messi again This time maybe Messi's done it
1: Hello and welcome to Le Bourge. No, Robbie Thompson hasn't been sacked. The large fromage over here in France have a little bit more patience than most Ligan chairmen. chairman. But me, Ian Holyman, I'm sitting in. The present tutorial merry-go-round's been spinning round and uh, I'm the fortunate or perhaps the unfortunate one who's dropped off and is sitting in for the next couple of weeks as Robbie takes a, a little early season break. Just to prove, though... That we are staying loyal. We've recycled two of the pundits from last week. I'm joined by Andy Scott and Angus Therode. Hello, gents. Hello.
2: Good morning.
1: Bright and early once again on a Monday after what has been an absolutely fabulous opening weekend of the Ligue 1 Uber Eats season. And we're going to start with the big boys. Paris Saint-Germain travelled to Clermont for the first game of Christophe Galtier's reign in charge, if you're not counting that Trophée de Champion win against Nantes in Israel the week before and uh, really was there any doubt about this result that's pulled back to Messi couldn't take it Neymar could and there's no stopping him this time drills it home does Neymar and Paris Saint-Germain are up and running he has gone along left that short and now Paris Saint-Germain can break and maybe Clermont will pay for that here goes Hakimi Chance for number two, fabulous finish from Ashraf Hakimi and utterly merciless from Paris Saint-Germain. Neymar this time drills it in, Marquinhos is there. An unmarked, heads in the third for PSG. Here goes Messi, TK and Neymar in support. It's Neymar, chance for number four, Messi. And the superstar duo combined. For a fourth for Paris Saint-Germain. Here's Messi. Oh, yeah. Brilliant from Leo Messi. And everybody around the stadium's applauding that one, and rightly so. Five for Paris Saint-Germain. Well, to answer that question that I put before you uh, heard me commentating that game, no, there wasn't really any doubt. And, And unfortunately, as Angus pointed out to me, after the game, I'd mentioned rather casually, offhandedly, before the game, that it was going to finish 5-0 to Paris Saint-Germain. And Angus made the uh, very astute point that I probably should have put on a, a little bit of a wager. Gentlemen, that was always going to end in trouble for Clermont, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right from the ninth minute when Neymar right-footed the first goal in and uh, set up by Messi which is well, quite a reflection, actually, of the pre-season as well, where they really started linking together. And also the end of last season as well, when Neymar finally was fit and Messi finally started scoring. And I think that the rest of the, the league could be in deep trouble here. Messi scored twice at the end. I mean, he, he didn't score that many, many times all through the season last campaign. He's already on two now. He's setting up goals. And uh, it's a very interesting whether they've actually now got the three big boys at the, the back as well with um Ramos and Makinos, and also uh, President Kimpembe, and the big three up front. Well, the, almost the big three up front, but you can see the way they're going. No um, killing Mbappe because he was uh, out this time. But uh, I think it's actually very, very ominous the fact that they managed to win like that without Mbappe.
1: Yeah, Mbappe was suspended for the Trophy de Champion. He was nursing a little bit of an injury, and uh, it threw up an interesting stat because Christophe Galtier produced the same starting 11. For the second successive competitive game. That is something that never happened under Maurizio Pochettino, which I found quite astounding. But uh, Andy, this this is the new tactical formation. Galtier's gone a little bit off his usual path of the four four two, which worked so well with Burak and, and Jonathan David up front at, at Lille and won them the title. He's gone three four one two with Messi the one and Neymar, and it was Pablo Sarabia, but it's gonna be Kylian Mbappe, for, for hopefully for, for most of the season for PSG. And it, it's looking very, very good indeed. Neymar had a hand in three of the four goals at the Trophy de Champion. He had four a hand in four of the five against Clermont. Messi with two and that overhead kick as well. Those two played with a smile on their face, which was also something very different to the Pochettino era. As I, uh, Anger said, the rest of Ligue 1 are in big trouble.
3: Yeah, I, I, I've got this, I've got this uh, feeling, I mean, PSG might as well just you know maybe put Mbappe on the transfer market and listen to listen to offers <laughs> between now and the and the transfer window closing in in a few weeks and you're just staring at trouble because, Andy Scott well i mean the thing is you know that's that's two games in which they've scored nine goals and conceded none um they 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 literally don't need him and 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 they are going to be absolutely terrifying when he does come back um i mean listen they they're looking really good so. Obviously, I I hate to say it, but, you know, there is an asterisk next to these games because they're not playing. I mean, actually, Christophe Galtier let it slip on Saturday when he was speaking to Canal Plus after the match. And he said, you know, had this been a difficult game, Mbappe might have played. And I thought that was, he's kind of given something away there. You know, he's not wanting to disrespect Clermont, but he is kind of admitting that they didn't need Mbappe against Clermont. Now, obviously, you've got Messi and Neymar and all the other excellent players in their team, you know, you don't need Mbappe for, for the vast majority of games in league, and that's just the reality of it. I mean, we knew they were going to run away with the title this season. Certainly, we suspected that would be the case. Whenever PSG don't win the title, it's happened a couple of times in the last decade, uh, they've let their guards slip a bit, and it's taken somebody else to have a special season to catch them. Now, we don't know what other, others are going to do this season, but the reality is that PSG are far too strong. Everybody knows that. That's hardly any cutting-edge analysis, but you know, I think that Galtier, the early signs from Galtier are promising. Um, we knew that he was a, a top-level coach. I mean, he's been the manager of the year in France, I think, three times in the last uh, in the last decade when he was at Saint-Étienne and on to his time at Lille. You know, he's, he's a fantastic manager. He is capable of changing. He said that in his press conference when he arrived at PSG, that he would have to change, that he couldn't play the same way at PSG that he had at Nice and even at Lille before that. So, he knows that. Now, obviously, from, from in, in the outside world, people who don't follow French football on a, on a daily weekly basis, they might think, who is this Christophe Galtier guy? But we know who Christophe Galtier is. He's a top coach. The question was always going to be, would the likes of Messi and Neymar buy into his methods? Clearly, the early signs are good, but it's the early signs. This is two games into the season. They've got a, a fairly kind run of fixtures at the start of the campaign. Maybe when they play the likes of Monaco and Marseille and Lyon, we'll get a better idea of, 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 of where they really stand. And especially when the Champions League begins and we've got this really busy period of two months where the Champions League fixtures practically every midweek. But for now, it's a nice, smooth start and, and things look very good. And as you say, there are smiles on faces. Yeah, I,
1: I do have to sort of stem my slight outrage as well, Andy, when I hear people talking about Christophe Galtier outside of France and suggesting that, can he do it at a big club? I'm, 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 pretty, I'm pretty sure he can. So he's always managed to pip PSG to the title with with a a, a much lesser squad uh, with all due respect to to Lille. Um and on that note, uh, well done to the Premier League and, and English football this week because they finally caught up on William Saliba who had a very good uh, season last season at Marseille and has suddenly been discovered apparently by by Arsenal this weekend. Bet bet Matt Spiro uh, once of this parish, is, is is very happy with that. Just uh, one one note on PSG, Renato Sanchez coming in. Uh, quick thought on that, gents. Angus, that's a, that's a move that you like?
2: I was a bit surprised. I've got to be honest with you when uh, it happened. Um, I, I think that Zaya Emery is definitely the future of um, Paris Saint-Germain's midfield. I know he's only 16, but he's been sensational. He got his debut at the weekend as well in a 10-minute spell at the end and looks in completely at home in the midfield. I saw him in a pre-season friendly and he was alongside Marco Verratti and it was difficult to know which was which, to be quite honest with you, in that game. They were just so complimentary. And he is really quite sensational. A colleague of mine, a French colleague, met Luis Campos before the season. And all they could talk about between the two of them was Zaya Emery. And um, Campos was saying that he hasn't seen anything like this since uh, a young Kylian Mbappe came through. So I, th- I think that it's a, it's an interesting one, an attacking midfielder that they're bringing in. Um so maybe maybe that was a little bit of a gap that they needed because a lot of the midfielders they have are generally sort of the holding midfielders. This gives them a little bit more scope to come forward. Not quite sure how much he will play though.
3: I think uh, on on Zaire Emery that's an important point because uh, and and I, I know that Angus you've been very excited about him, but you'll forgive me for being a little bit more. Um, not sceptical, but reserved in my in my views on him because the reality. Well, is, you always are, right? <laughs> no, but the re- you always are. But the reality is that, that he's a young player coming through at Paris Saint-Germain, and their 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 track record in recent years of developing young players is, is woeful. I mean, in 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 the sense of giving them game time in the first team, and I've seen this on a number of occasions in recent years where young players play in pre-season. It doesn't matter. I mean, the fact is he's not going to he's not going to play much over the course of the season. And, you know, we've seen this play out before where the young lad says, well, actually, I'm not getting much of a game game opportunity here. I think I might move somewhere else. Thanks very much. Moussa Diaby, Christopher Nkunku, those two great examples of brilliant players who've gone on to play for the French national team in recent years after leaving PSG. So I think... It's too early to say that Warren Zaire Emery is the future of the PSG midfield because he might not get his chance because they keep bringing in players like Renato Sanchez. So if he's good enough, hopefully he'll get the chance to play. But will he get the chance to play? Because there are so many good players around him and Renato Sanchez is just the the latest one to come in. By the way, a guy who himself left Benfica too early and uh, and it stunted his development. And he's done pretty well at Lille, but he's had injury problems and all the rest of it. And uh, we'll see how it goes for him in Paris. But he is a very gifted player too, but you know we'll see if he's going to be a first pick in that PSG midfield because it's going to be Verati and one other, isn't it? So will it be him or will it be Vitinha? We'll see.
2: So Zaire Emery, he's just been yeah. played for the for a couple of games, just sort of puts him in the shop window and then he can go out on loan. Yeah, possibly. He's nodding at me.
1: Well, he's. <laughs> 16, 16 years and 151 days, I'm reliably informed. I didn't count them. Warren Zaire Emery, Paris saint youngest ever debutant. Knocking off the top, El Shaddai Bichiabu, who uh, you can expect to feature as well. And I can tell you that both of them are very, very handy movers at the breakfast buffet, having spent pretty much three weeks uh, with them in Israel while they were winning the under-17 Euros with, styling, uh, with you're,
3: you're quite a handy mover at the breakfast buffet
1: as well, aren't you? Well, I can, t- I can tell you El Shaddai, he's, he's, he's difficult to get round. Mm. He is difficult. When you're trying to get an omelette, you do not want <laughs> to be behind El Shaddai bitch yet. <laughs> no, that's, that's as much as, I, much as I can tell you. But it, it, this, this just to come back slightly more seriously to, uh, to to Paris Saint-Germain, big change, big change in tack of, of, of policy over the summer and, and Nasser Al-Khalayfi did say that he wants... To bring through the next Mbappe, in and that he's going to be Parisian, and he wants as many Parisians in the team as possible. At the end of the pitch, at the end of the game, sorry, on the pitch at Clermont, they had Zaire Emery, who's a, a Titi, as they say, a petit Parisian, a little Parisian. Pembe, who's uh, really the only one who's established himself in the first team for any sort of real length of time, and then Nordi Mukiele, who's uh, who's, who's come back uh, from Leipzig and 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 never had been at PSG. But uh he's also born in the Paris region. So that they're trying to get there, Andy, but I mean yeah, you can see the point. Zaye Emery though signing his first pro contract uh in July, which is which is big for PSG because players have left uh, Tongi Koasi, mm-hmm. for example, without signing that first pro deal.
3: Exactly. And you'll understand because of what you're saying, you'll understand why I'm reset. I th- I think we can't just sit here and say he looks he looks really good and therefore he's gonna be the, the 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 future of PSG's midfield because all the previous warning signs are there? So, you know, and he's only 16. He's he's a very young kid. I mean, I mean, you know, you have to be very, very special. We saw that with Mbappe. He obviously was extremely special. You have to be on that level to to break into the PSG first team and, and keep your place there at that age. So, let's see. Let's see. You're I'm li-
2: sticking behind him.
3: <laughs> you're, you're listening to a, an optimistic
1: uh, Angus <laughs> to road, which I I could just call an Angus to road. Uh, as he's always optimistic and uh, sceptical, Andy Scott. And again, I could just say Andy <laughs> Scott because he's always sceptical. On Le Bourgeois, please rate us on all the usual podcast platforms. And you can get in touch, of course, at league 1 podcast at gmail.com for those of the old school and for those of the slightly newer school on Twitter. We've got our on Twitter account now. We've uh, matured, it would seem. We're at League One Podcasts. Right, Leon, perennial, well, inconsistent underachievers, it has to be said. Missed out on Europe last season, finished down in eighth place. They actually raised the curtain on the new season at the Groupama Stadium against newly promoted Ajaxio and Andy Scott was in the commentary position for this one.
0: Lupinol slips it through towards Lacazette and the shot finds the net from Tete, who scores the first goal of the Ligue season. It's the Brazilian with the breakthrough and an assist already for the returning Alexandre Lacazette. The ball is flighted forwards and a penalty is given for the challenge on Tete. Lacazette will have the chance to make it 2-0 and get the first goal of his second spell at Olympique Lyonnais. Lacazette, who scored hundred League goals in his first spell with Lyon. That is the first goal of his second spell. And Lyon, before the midway point in the first half, already lead by two goals to nil. Anthony Lopez having to come out of his box and this could be big trouble for Lopez. The referee has pointed to the penalty spot, the referee reaching for the red card here. Just 26 minutes played and Lyon completely in control find themselves down to ten men Anthony Lopez gifting Ajaxio a possible route back into this game, Mongani's penalty Camley tucked into the net and it's 2-1 now just when Ajaccio looked in truth to be uh, dead and buried already
1: Andy, lots of optimism in, in, in contrast to you uh, before kick-off <laughs> Alex on Lacazette was back Corentin Antaliso was back it was always going to end happily, wasn't it, or or, or did it?
3: Well, it, it did end happily because they won the game. Um, and I think the the early stages were very promising. The first sort of twenty five minutes, they were, they, I thought, they were really exciting, you know. And they've they I mean, you look at the team they put out in that game, Peter Bosch, you know, the front three with Lacazette returning to the middle, Lacazette who scored a hundred league and goals in his first spell as a Leon player, and and you know those of us. Who can remember that far back to to his years as a Lyon player? Not that long ago, but it seems like a long time ago. You know, he was regularly scoring twenty plus goals a season for three or four years at Lyon. He went to Arsenal and he was in double figures every year in the Premier League until last season. And um, and then obviously he left at the end of his contract. He's come back to Lyon like and Tolisso. Tolisso, who's had fitness problems, so he was on the bench at kickoff. But the the the, the front five they had on Friday: Lacazette through the middle, Tocoy Campi on the left, Tete the Brazilian who's come back from Shakhtar Donetsk on the right. And then in the midfield, you have Lucas Paqueta and Osema Awar, two players who could yet leave Lyon before the transfer window shuts. Certainly in the case of, well, I would say both of them, I think they'd be happy to to sell them and get big money in, which they need because they're not in Europe this season. But if they were to keep them, then that's a pretty exceptional front five. They have the depth, um, but they have that ability to, to make things difficult for themselves. And Antonio Lopez always has the ability to have a rush of blood to the head rush off his line and 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 you know, make a mistake or bring a player down, get a red card. He did that on Friday uh, and that sort of stopped Lyon in their tracks because I think at that point, had had he stayed on the field, they were 2-0 up. I think they would have gone on to win by 4-5 or five and we would have been raving about the start to the season, probably getting a bit carried away because, again, a bit like PSG against Clermont, Leon were playing limited opposition, Ajax, who have the smallest budget in the division, it was almost beyond their wildest dreams to come up to the, to Ligue 1 at the end of uh, last season. Four teams go down at the end of this season, and I think everybody expects them to be in that four. So, um, you know, it's a game they were expected to win. Lopez gets sent off before the half-hour mark, and, and Ajax will get the goal back. And had Ajax themselves not had play a player sent off right on halftime, who knows what might have happened, because they look the more likely team to score in the second half as well. So, you know, um, you know, you need to be cautious, I think, but they've got the win. And they'll have eleven men on the field again for their for the kickoff of the next match next weekend. If they can keep eleven players on the field, then then you might be a bit more optimistic about the chances. They have a kind opening run of games. If you look at them on paper, the first five or six matches, they should win all of them. If they can do that, then then we can then we can maybe start talking about Lyon seriously as as contenders to to finish second or third at least this season. At the moment, of course, we have to we have to be wary because they're only really picking up from where they left off last season. When actually they finished last season quite strongly, but the damage had been done earlier in the campaign. So, um, you know, it, it, I mean, I hope that Lyon have a good season because Ligue needs a strong Lyon. But there were warning signs there on Friday, unfortunately. Yeah, it'll be Remy Ryu
1: in goal uh, against Lorient at the weekend. He came off the bench. and I thought it was quite a nice nice story. He was, was at Lyon... Leon Bourne was let go 15 years ago, comes back, comes on for Anthony Lopez after what was surprisingly only his second red card in 315 games. I, th- I thought—I have to say, I thought Lopez had been set yeah. off a lot more than that. <laughs> and the other one was last season. Um,
3: the other one was last season, I think, against
1: Santa. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Against Santa true. But uh, Rio made a brilliant save yeah, uh, yeah, from, from Riyad Nouri. Uh, yeah. the, the, it was a really, really, really top-draw save. My, my question, actually... Um, is, I, I've got a couple of questions about this, but why couldn't Leon get Kasper Schmeichel? Would be my question.
3: Mm. Well, uh, I mean, if, it, if Nice can, maybe they didn't think about getting him. I mean, this is the thing, you know. I mean, obviously they 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 have Anthony Lopez who is the first choice goalkeeper. So why bring in Kasper Schmeichel?
1: Kasper Schmeichel's a superior goalkeeper, sure. Yeah, well, um, and 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 Lopez has been Lopez. I know he's a great fan favorite. I know he's got that Leon DNA which they've been going for, and they're trying to. Trying to increase as well in the same way that Paris Saint-Germain are trying to do that uh, 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 with with the Parisians, but Lopez is not as good a goalkeeper as Casper Spiegel and, and and potentially quite a few other quite a few other people. I think it's a little bit little bit of a of an interesting point that they've stuck with Lopez for so long when he he has been a liability and not necessarily in terms of of red cards, but as you said, Andy, that rush of blood to the head. I thought Tete was particularly impressive, uh, particularly in that opening opening few minutes, but. I thought Alexon Lacazette in his post match interview was 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 quite revealing. He basically said we were terrified of losing and that's why they didn't play for the last sixty minutes. Now it, it that cannot be that cannot be Leon's mentality in the opening game of the season against, as you said, a newly promoted side with the lowest budget in, in, in League 1. They had a fantastic defensive record last season at but Leon made them look dangerous going going forward because they 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 just invited them on and, and they still have some quality players. Thomas Mangani, who got, who got the uh, got the penalty, got the goal from the penalty. Roman Hamuma, who uh, then got himself sent off, and much to the much to, much like Schadenfreude <laughs> in the stands as the former saint Etienne man uh, got his marching orders for a second second bookable offence. But I mean, Leon scared. Yeah, really? Glenn, are, we, are we going to see the same, same things that we saw last this season? This is thanks? exactly
2: what we saw last season. I mean, the amount of times that Leon would score last season and then they would allow the opposition to come back onto them. And it seems that um, leon they're a team that, if the opposition score against them, their confidence just falls apart. I mean, there's so many times when this has happened. And this resulted in potential wins last season that turned into draws, draws that turned into defeats. It's, it's something that they just don't seem to be able to shake off. And frankly, I, I don't quite know how they're going to do it because Peter Bosch has kept his job over the summer and is under real pressure this season. They've kept faith with him to an extent. Of course, the, the big shake-up in the, uh, the managerial setup behind the scenes maybe has, has come to his aid in that point. No. So I think that um, I, it's difficult to see where they're going to get this from unless Peter Bosch has suddenly come up with something new. That he couldn't come up with last season.
3: Yeah, I, I, I guess that you're you're referring to the the John Texter, the American businessman, arriving yes. and and gradually buying buying the club from from the the Olaz family, aren't you? And that's gonna that's gonna be very interesting to see how that develops because obviously Olas has been there for 35 years at the head of Lyon. Um, yeah, I th- I think that all these things are valid. I think I think the reason they were scared probably is if you look back to last season, and I said there that they they have a very winnable run of games at the start of this season. It was the same last year. The first three games last season were against Brest, Angers, and Clermont, and I think everybody expected them to win them and start the season strongly. They took two points from these three games, and I think the reason they were maybe terrified on Friday was because you know they wanted to just make sure they got the win in that first game and got themselves over the line, and they felt like they were hanging on towards the end. They've got the win, and you know let's move on to the next game. When if they can keep eleven players on the field, it might be different. I mean, despite your reservations about Anthony Lopez, you know he's not likely. Uh, to be sent off when he comes back. And let's assume that Remy Ryu is not going to get sent off when he plays in goal next weekend. If they can keep eleven players on the field, then they should have a decent chance of of, of making it back to back wins at the start of the season. But as I said, you know, we, we do need to be careful with Leon because we've seen it all before. We have indeed a
1: lot of uh, a lot of deja vu. We've got deja who <laughs> see what I did there. Coming up uh, pretty soon. Just a, a couple uh, more of the games that we've uh, that we've had this weekend. Jonathan David, great start for him. And for Paolo Fonseca, the new Lille boss, David, with a couple of goals as Osair were put to the sword. In fact, the only newly promoted side to get a point on the opening weekend were Toulouse, who uh, should have probably had the win against Nice, actually. Aaron Ramsey off the bench to score on his debut, 12 minutes from time, uh, Kasper Schmeichel was a luxury cheerleader on the bench uh, for Nice. Andy, just quickly on this one, a couple of things. The first, how disappointed was Toulouse's Raphael to have spent all his summer modelling his look on Mario Lamina only to find that Lemina no longer has dyed hair? That's the crucial <laughs> question. And then, out on the pitch, out on the pitch, one side looked like a newly promoted team and the other team was Toulouse.
3: So he did there, yeah. Yeah. Um... You want me to? I mean, what do you want me to say about Rafael Bratao? I mean, I mean, you know, he's he's got. Well, I think we'll I think we'll wait till Rafael speaks exclusively right, to, okay. to to
1: Matt or yeah. to to Armel or somebody, and we'll we'll find out. Yeah, uh,
3: on on your on your second point, I think that's a, a fair point. I mean, um, I, I would say that any team going to the newly promoted side have come up as the second division champions. I think on the opening day of the season, that's always a potentially difficult game. Um, you know, and I and I think for Nisa nice, drawing that match is was not a bad result. I think they would have taken it beforehand. I mean, they've made a lot of signings. Four of them who arrived, you know, just in the few days before this game. One of them, as you said, Kasper Schmeichel, Lucien Favre, said after the game that really he'd come in too late to to start this match, but he will be the starting goalkeeper, which is unfortunate for Martin Bulka. But that's how it's going to be. Bulka played um on Sunday. And obviously in Aaron Ramsey's case, I mean Ramsey is a very interesting one because, you know, his time at Juventus was marred by injury problems. It just didn't work out for him there. He spent the second half of last season on loan at Rangers. He made no impact at Ibrox. He he actually missed a penalty, in the, you may remember, in the Europa League final against Eintracht Frankfurt, which proved to be crucial in the end as they lost that game. Saved, wasn't it? It was, it was saved, yeah, it was saved. But, you know, he failed to score the penalty and that cost Rangers dear. Uh, he did play for Wales in their in their World Cup um playoff so he was part of the team that beat ukraine to qualify but then since then and until yesterday uh, he hadn't played a game he was let go by juventus he had been training on his own but he hadn't played a friendly anything like that he arrived at, at nice at the end of the week and they sent him on with 13 minutes to go and he scored that goal which is a terrific goal it was brilliantly set up by by um bilal brahimi but it was a great finish by Ramsey. He he looked really impressive, and 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 that's that's promising. I think the thing for Aaron Ramsey, and this is an important point for a lot of players, is that there is a World Cup coming up in November, which is obviously you know unheard of at the start of the season to have a World Cup three months away. Um, Wales are going to be there. He kind of, I mean, he is an important player for Wales, but he does need to prove his fitness. So he's got that to motivate him, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on. You know, I mean, Nice are a team, Lucien Favre said that they were coming into the season and and looking to the future, looking to target, being the top three every year. So we'll see how they get on. I think Toulouse will be interesting as well. I mean, a good start for Thijs Dalinga, the Dutchman, who looked really impressive on his first appearance in Ligue 1 after being a top scorer in the Dutch second division last season. It's quite a step up. And when you talk about the players going from from the Dutch League to the Premier League or whatever, you know, for having scored lots of goals in the Dutch top division and not being able to make the step up. Well, he's coming from the second division. I thought he looked... Really
1: Matija Kesemann, Alfonso Alfa. Ex-
3: exactly, yeah. And, and, but Thijs Dalinga, he's been compared to Kevin Gamero by um, one or two observers of the Dutch League and, and you can really see that uh, just from the way he played yesterday. He tired after an hour, but I thought he looked really handy. They, they've, I talked a lot about them last week. They've made some Interesting signings, players coming in from Scandinavia and, and the Dutch league, and I think they're going to be worth following this season. Whether they'll do particularly well remains to be seen, but not a bad. I mean, a draw was a decent result in, in that game for both teams, I think. And Aaron Ramsey. Well, just to sum up, Andy.
1: Sorry, Aaron. sorry I was just going to sum up Andy's point on Aaron Ramsey, Angus. It, look, it, it's Wales World Cup and Nice in that order, presumably, possibly golf in there as well.
2: Well, he is the first Welshman to score in Liga since the late 1950s, so there's a nice little Welsh caveat in there for you as well.
1: <laughs> do Do you have the name of the last Ligue scorer
2: from Wales? Yeah, uh, Brinley Griffiths for Nancy. <laughs> yeah, of course.
1: How How could I forget? Well, it, maybe he could have been, Brinley Griffiths could have been uh, perhaps an answer to our Deja who. <laughs> <laughs> quiz, i have to say that was that would have been that would have been on the tough side of tough uh, we've got, <laughs> we've got a little twist to our deja Vu this season we're giving away one league 1 shirt a month and the format is like this it's a little bit like the champions league draw but hopefully we'll manage to get this all in the right order and we won't have to do it again to go into the draw you not only have to answer one of the month's deja who's correctly but in the last episode of every month there's going to be an extra bonus question for you that you have to get right just to get a chance at the ultimate prize. So you had the uh, first clue last week. Here's the season's second one. A retired footballer, I played for six clubs in my career, winning the league three times in France and once overseas. I'll just give you a clue. It's not Brilly Griffiths. I also have two... Coupe de France winner's medals however I didn't play in either final perhaps strangely I'm better known as a coach having taken charge of 14 clubs and one national side but apart from an Algerian cup and a UAFA cup that's the Coupe Arabe des clubs champion the best I did was a UEFA cup final and a Coupe de la Ligue final both lost and my team famously finished second in Ligue 1 thanks to a goal conceded by a rival club in the final second's of the final game of the season who am i and how did my team lose the league that for me is a very very tough one not quite brinley griffith's tough but it's tough from robbie thompson if you know get in touch with us league arm podcast at gmail.com or via twitter at league one podcast i'm not going to embarrass the gents by uh, asking them if they know because I'm pretty sure they're pretty much as clueless as I am, except I know the answer because I read it <laughs> moving on then Strasbourg and Monaco probably the pick of the fixtures on paper, Angus to Rhodes saw so this one at the maino.
2: come out to the edge of the area and a fantastic
0: hit, oh my word Crepa kicks off the season in style and suddenly,
2: Monaco kick into gear. Jean-Lucas into Job. nice little ball through, one-two, and another one-two with Gelson Martins. It's deflected, and it could be two, and it is! And Sofia Job gets his first goal of the season. Delane. Delane picks out
0: another good ball in! And Strasbourg are back in it with Habib Diallo heading in at the far post.
1: Angus interesting choices from uh, Philippe Clement Kevin Folland and Alexander Golovin was suspended Wissam Ben Yedder on the bench presumably with one eye on uh, on the Champions League uh, third round second leg against PSV in uh, in midweek started with Crepin Diata, Sofian Diop and Briel Ambolo and up front and was rewarded with something what like 24 shots so uh, it didn't seem it didn't seem that it, those uh, changes to to the strike force had much of a negative impact.
2: Well, there's no surprise to discover that for me, Matt Sells was the man of the match. He had an absolutely sensational game for Strasbourg, and he had to because, I mean, as you say, 24 shots, uh, half of those were on target. He came out with some brilliant um, saves to to stop uh, the likes of, um, well, right from the beginning, 22 seconds, the first shot. Uh, It it went wide from Sophie Androp. He could have had a hat-trick in the game, Crepaniatta uh, actually started off quite quietly out on the uh, the right hand side, replacing Alexander Golovin, who'd been so good in the Champions League in midweek, and of course with Minamino, who actually had a small muscle fatigue, I think I read, which meant that he was also rested. Uh, very exciting. To bring him in from Liverpool. I think he's gonna do big things, I think, in Liga this season, but he wasn't there. Yusuf Fafana was was pretty good, bearing in mind that Aurelian uh Chimani has now gone off to Real Madrid. And there was a little bit of a surprise. A lot of people thought Enzo Matazzo would start alongside him. It was actually Jean Luca who's well, he doesn't so much run as glide Jean Luca when he goes around the uh, the pitch. And he had a very good game coming forward which meant that Fafana had to sort of fill in with the defensive dog work behind him or donkey work, if you like. And um, he was very good coming forward. Monaco did get caught though themselves. Strasbourg could have easily got something out of this game, even a victory. They had 11 um, shots themselves there were 35 in all. I mean, it was like, you know, there was just shots all over the place. As you can imagine, doing the highlights for that game was very, very difficult because there was literally half of the chances were absolutely superb. And in the end, Monaco got it because they were the more persistent with the way that they came forward. They were very, very good. Shots all... Yep. I was just going to say, Angus, shot,
1: shots all over the place. Sounds like some weddings uh, <laughs> that that I've been to. And, uh, and just to continue the metaphor, there was almost a Jager bomb right at the end. Oh. Uh, Habib Diallo, oh. uh, he was so fractionally offside. VAR uh, ruling ruling a, an equaliser out. And then, Adri- as you said, Adrian Thomason had a great chance after that, straight after that as well. Um, Andy Strasbourg I mean again it's a little bit early to be to be worried about them and a home defeat on the opening day of the season to Monaco oh, is, uh, is Julian Stefan
3: shrugging that one off? Well Angus suggested last week he thought they were going to finish third which I thought was an absolutely wild suggestion um, I think they'll be fine yeah but I, I don't think they'll be finishing in the top three uh, I, I think they're a, a fun team to watch sometimes it works for them sometimes it works against them it's It's also you know they're not the only club in this situation where the transfer window has still got a few weeks to go, and you know they could yet lose a player like for example Habib Diallo and it could have a negative impact on them um so we'll we'll see how that pans out I mean they were unlucky not to qualify for Europe in the end last season actually I think they I think going in the Europa Conference League would have suited them quite nicely, but unfortunately they missed out, and I think they'll struggle to hit those hit those heights this time around but yeah i mean they were they were unlucky you not know, to get a draw um no, Saturday. I mean, that VAR call at the end in stoppage time was was a very tight one, wasn't it? To deny Habib Diallo that it could very easily have been 2-2. So, you know, that would have been a, a very, a very um, creditable result for them. So I'm not worried about them, but I don't think, I think I think Angus suggesting that they'll finish third made me wonder what had gone into his um, morning cup of tea.
2: No, I, I, I still stand by that because Strasbourg didn't play badly. I mean, it was just a really good game from both sides. I mean, Strasbourg didn't play Kevin Camero. Monaco were missing seven or eight of what you would call their regular first team starters for various different reasons. I think it's always very hard to really judge form for a season in the first month until that transfer window was closed because, you know, you, you lose a huge player and suddenly your entire season changes direction and changes focus. But at the time being, what I saw from both of those sides, they looked like two sides that were confident and I don't see that changing through the season. And I'm certainly not going to retract my uh, prediction of third you based on one you day.
3: You can't, you can't, retra- you've said it now. You can't, you can't, Yeah, it's there. You can't change it. I'm comfortable.
1: <laughs> I think desc- I would describe Strasbourg finishing third as, as, as bald. Yes. Bald is, is what we'll go with. Three points off again for Philippe Clément, 43 points in 20 games the man brought in from, from Club Bruges uh, midway through last season. Only Laurent Banide you might want to Google him, a bit of a Monaco legend. And Claude Puel, who uh, despite his reputation in England is is definitely a Monaco legend, have done better in that uh, same period for Monaco. Elsewhere, Lens, well, they certainly made it exciting for their fans, although perhaps not in a good way. 3-0 up through a Florian Satoka hat-trick. Uh, he had a penalty save too by Marco Bizot. Quite a game for him. Bresto battling back, scoring twice, but it finished 3-2 to Lens. There was four goals. You might it, you, you had to get into the Stade de la on time, otherwise you, you really missed the excitement. Four goals in the first 16 minutes uh, between Montpellier and Twit. It was 2-2 after uh, after barely a quarter of an hour. Who got the winner though? Nine minutes from time?
0: Who Te-gy's
1: else? Teji. Teji. And I have to say, it was a beauty uh, an absolute beauty there's been there's been some brilliant goals this weekend, gents. Leo Messi's overhead kick, which I mentioned to Andy yesterday, was a bit of a shinner, but um you know i'm I'm a for me overhead kick is Rivaldo against Valencia again, kids Google that one. Teji's goal was brilliant. Diata's uh, volley. ooh picked that one out. but I have to say they're all second best. Best goal of the weekend, gents in France? In France. League 2. Gangon captain, Jérémy Livolon. The winner at Laval. It, it, it's, it's one of those from a different postcode. It's so far out. And it was a little bit, a little bit like the Dimitri Payet goal that he scored in, in the Conference League last oh. season. Livolon just, just saying that the ball came to him and he was worried that if he took a touch and lost possession, that there'd be a counterattack behind it. So he just tried his luck. And all I can say is perhaps you should get on the next plane to Las Vegas and put everything on black or red, I suppose, because it's Gangon. Uh, or red or black, it works, doesn't it? Because he is very lucky. Because then it was an absolute sweet strike. And you, you've got to check it out. It's on the Gango official uh, Twitter feed. It's a beauty. Uh, elsewhere, all staying in Brittany, though, helpfully uh Rennes surprised by Lorient in the derby at home new signing Arthur Thiat having a having a debut to to forget he got the only goal unfortunately it was an own goal and uh talking about entertaining games Angers nil Nantes nil was much 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 better than the scoreline suggests. Alban Lafont, uh absolutely brilliant in that one to 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 deny Angers some good saves too from uh, Paul Bernardoni back in the Angers goal uh, to uh, particularly stopping Ludovic Blas that leaves us with just one game to go in the opening round it was at an jumping stad velodrome Marseille it's been the usual soap opera summer for them Igor Tudor coming in how did he get on in his first game Rance were the visitors and it was me in the commentary booth that's a lovely ball in by Klaus and an on goal by face was doing his utmost to try and cut out closest cross for Arkadiusz Milik. It won't be much consolation to the Belgian defender, that Milik almost certainly would have scored. So Nuno Tavares comes forward and scores an utterly brilliant goal on his debut. What a strike! Here's Gendouzi, drills it across, pinballs around. And he gets that debut goal that he would have been dreaming of last night. Luis Suarez makes it 3-0. Whips his ball in and it's helped on and helped in by in Balogun. A goal on his debut. Here goes Bukambu. Suddenly the Marseille fans roar and a chance for a fourth. Well, it's harsh on Reims. But it's fully deserved for Luis Suarez, who has come off the bench and made a real impact. Two for him on his debut. Do we have a new darling of the velodrome? Well, gentlemen, this one was anything but boring. started off, very interestingly, before kickoff, Igor Tudor's name announced to the crowd he was roundly booed and whistled by the Marseille fans. And when there's fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 people... Booing and whistling in that stadium, it is deafening. He, he claims he was in the dressing room, didn't hear it. Everybody else did. He says the supporters are always right. Turns out, though, Marseille winning 4 1, he was right too. Andy,
3: um, Mar- Marseille, what can you say about them? <laughs> I, well, first thing I'd say is I think that's really unfair to, to, to boo the coach. You know, I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk in, in the last week. Um, And some of it coming from very, very reliable sources, I believe, that that, that the relationship between Tudor and his players has uh, not started well. And I think that it's very easy for us to look at that and say, yeah, but, you know, get on with it. The players should just get on with it. But the reality is that if you've had a good working relationship with your manager, this applies not just in football sense, but in any sense. Um, I hope that anybody who might be my manager is perhaps listening to this, but you know you can get on well with your manager and then they leave and then somebody else comes in and shakes everything up and it might be quite natural that you don't have the same relationship with them that you're not as happy with them you're not as comfortable with them there's been all kinds of um talk in the last few days suggestions that Tudor might not even have lasted until the first game of the season so in a way a small achievement for him to have been there to hear the boos on Sunday <laughs> um you know obviously give him a chance and, and 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 I know Dimitri Payet said you know this is this is this is not true and everything you know that the idea that this, the, there was this big falling out between the squad and, and the manager. Now, we don't know, but certainly the, the team on the park produced the goods um, last night. So good result. I mean, a bit like Lyon, it's it's a game that they should be winning on paper. And actually last season, they finished second. They might have pushed PSG a little bit closer had they not had the occasional faux pas at home in games that they should have been winning. Teams like Brest, for example, and, and Mess getting results at the Velodrome. So to, to beat Rance on the opening weekend, is 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 a positive start, and as you said, you know, goals for Luis Suarez, for example, coming in and and making an early impact. So, a promising start. I think it's um, fair enough actually to say that he's a
2: little bit of a mini victory to have lasted this long. When you think of uh, not all Marseille coaches have managed to get to um, even early parts of the season, I think of Marcelo Bielsa in the uh, the past. But um, I think that's also part of the reason is he he was at Verona. They finished ninth, which was very good for small club, if you like, in Serie A. Marseille certainly don't see themselves as a small club. Jorge Paoli certainly, ha- he certainly, I think he was so popular with the fans because in one sense, he was the mirror of the fans on the sideline. They're a club that just breathe fire and bimstone all of the time. I mean, they had all that trouble at the training ground last season, but it seems just to be part of being a Marseille supporter. And he's going to bring in maybe a slightly calmer demeanor. It's a very different attitude to the one that Jorge Sampaoli, he's much bigger than San who was this tiny, sort of like Tasmanian bevel of a of a, a manager, as well as he's a huge centre back um that has come in. And and I think that they look quite organized, to be honest with you, Marseille, though, last last night. They looked pretty good. They were good. It was interesting that um Dimitri Pai was left on the bench last night. At one stage, they were, sh- they were looking at him from the sidelines with the camera, and he looked like a sort of naughty schoolboy who'd been caught with his hands literally in the cookie jar. And then eventually he was brought on. So there was no explanation as to why he was on the bench. But to be honest with you, without him, they looked absolutely brilliant. I mean, they seem, they seem to have this sort of inside track into the Arsenal um, dressing room because they keep bringing over Arsenal players. And all of them seem to be a success. I mean, two of them who came in last night, they both scored and both probably were the men of the match as well. It was absolutely amazing to see. Was it um, Gonzalez and... um uh not I've lost his name suddenly. Uh, do, 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 do. Luis Suarez. Nuno Tavares and Luis Suarez. Both had sensational games.
1: Well, uh, Luis Suarez actually came in from from Granada uh, in, in the summer. The Colombian forward. He's not, not to be confused with the Uruguayan, who's headed back to, to Montevideo, the word there was another Arsenal loanee on the pitch, and he did score. Um, but that was Florence uh, following Balogun, who uh, came off the bench and a, a pretty good, pretty good strike too. Had a, had another another choi- another uh, chance a little bit later. Uh, you're referring to Nuno Tavares, who who came in on loan and uh, said that the success of Saliba and Gunduzi at Marseille had, had sort of encouraged him to to move to Marseille. I thought Marseille was it was interesting. They set up in in this three four. 3-4-3, uh, three, three, really. Um under more or less playing through the middle rather than out wide, and they were very good in the first half. Uh, Patrick Pence, the new uh, Rans goalkeeper, who's got a very headline-friendly name, at least uh, for, for UK-based uh, journalists, made a brilliant save, a brilliant reflex save to push push a, a senghis shot onto the bar. Uh, Rangier hit the post as well. He was captain for the night with, with Payet on the bench. And Nuno Tavares getting a really, really good goal. A very, very good goal. With his right foot as well, cutting inside from the left um, and, and sending it right into the far corner. Excellent strike just before half-time to make it 2-0. But I have to say, uh, just on the point of uh, Igor Tudor not quite being Jorge Sampaoli, a lot, he is a lot bigger, but he is just about as, as combustible as, uh, as Sampaoli. Uh, Tudor got, got booked <laughs> for uh, contesting absolutely every single decision. Um, uh, what I thought was, was interesting about uh, Marseille was that uh, Payet had said that the style that Tudor has employed isn't anything like last season. It's not possession-based. It's much more direct. And they were more direct, but it wasn't just hoofing it up the park. They were still, they were still uh, it was all pretty joined together. And I thought Luis Suarez, who came off the bench, 28 minutes to go. He's played, well, he, was, he didn't play in England. Actually, he was at Watford for for three years but didn't play for them was on loan at various Spanish clubs then had to, a couple of seasons at Granada he came off the bench and made a real impact and not just in terms of scoring twice but also his movements his his energy his his industry he's, he's that sort of forward that the the Marseille fans are going to absolutely love he's not the new Dario Benedetto he's not the new Mario, Mario Balotelli either but he's got a better attitude than the second one and he's more got more quality than the first. Um, I think he'll be really, really good. But Marseille needed a very good save from Ruben Blanco, who's coming on loan from uh, Celta Vigo to be back up to Paul Lopez. But Paul Lopez, with a groin injury, he was out. It was 3-1 at the time. Would have been 3-2 with a few minutes left. Things might have got nervy. The fans might have got on their backs. But uh, Marseille then went up the other end and scored on the counter-attack. But it does look very promising, at least... Based on that first 90 minutes for Marseille, remains to be seen, at least for me, whether they are going to finish runners up. They travel to Brest next week, which is a very, very long trip uh, for, for their fans. And that brings us nicely round to Bon Voyage. Well, just to run through uh, a couple of the highlights. Fixtures of next weekend. We open up with Nantes against Lille on Friday night. There's Monaco Wren, which uh, looks particularly juicy on a Saturday tea time. Gentlemen, what do you fancy? Andy first.
3: Yeah, <clears throat> well, Monaco against Wren is a good one. Uh, third against fourth from last season. And um, Monaco will, of course, be coming back from their Champions League, third qualifying round, uh, the second leg against PSV Eindhoven is on Tuesday. So, you know, if they get through that, then they could be in buoyant mood. If they fail to get through, then, then that might change things significantly. It would certainly already um, be a big dampener on the start of their season. So um, that's going to have an impact on how how they do against Wren. And obviously from Wren's perspective, it's an important game already for them because that was a, a very disappointing start to the season for them to lose at home to Lorient in the Derby yesterday. So um, Monaco against Wren, I think could be a cracker. And of course, to go down to the, the Côte d'Azur at this time of year is 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 never never a bad idea. It is a, a holiday weekend in France, so it's already this is this is probably going to be the um quietest week of the year if you're working in terms of people being around. And Paris is wonderful if you live here at this time of year and uh, you don't want people to be around because everybody has cleared off to to the beaches or the countryside on holiday because this week is followed by a bank holiday next Monday. So I think the Côte d'Azur will be very busy next weekend, so we'll see how many people rock up at the, the Stade-Louis-Due for the Monaco-Ren game. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll boost Monaco's average attendance for the season a little bit.
1: Well, you could happily stay down on the Côte d'Azur as well, because the following day on Sunday, it's Nice against Strasbourg. And also a helpful early kickoff time, so plenty of time around that to get lunch before and dinner afterwards. Angus, where are you going? Well,
2: um, I'm going to choose a slightly unexpected one with regard to the fixtures there. I'm going to head to the stade abbe Deschamps. Because I've always had a bit of a soft spot. That
1: is not unexpected (laughs) knowing you. That is not expect. Maybe
2: unexpected to those listening in, though, but uh, I'm very happy to see there back in the top flight for the first time in a decade. It's a team that's very close to my heart that goes back to my student days when I lived there and they won the double in 1996. And and under Jean-Marc Ferland, who is, uh, well, he's the latest of a number of coaches that they've had since they were relegated, and they are looking, well, with Gaetan Charbonnier, we're putting all this hope on Gaetan Charbonnier. He was the second top scorer in Ligue 2 last season, and he did get on the score sheet in the first week, albeit at the end it was a 4-1 thrashing by Lille. But I think that against Angers, we could see their first three points of the season.
1: Gaetan Charbonnier, is he the new, sort of old Alexander Mitrovic? Um, Simon Torodde, for those who, who are fans of German football as well, the classic high scoring second division striker who can't quite cut it in the first division. Let's see Angus enjoy that at the Stade Abbey Deschamps and reliving all those student memories if you can actually remember that far back. Um, (laughs) I will not relate to you Angus's really rather rude and impolite reaction to that comment but uh, possibly fair. Thank you to Angus all the same. Thanks to you Andy as well and thanks to you the listeners, for listening, and we'll be back next week.
0: Neymar still. Oh my word! What a goal! Golovin, lovely finish. Oh yes, delivery again. Doosie's header and the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta It's Pieter again. A goal back
3: Messi again. This time maybe Messi's done it.